1: This is the podcast about infertility, IVF and the trials of trying for a baby.
2: I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby. And we're both card-carrying members of the Infertility Club. Hello.
1: Hi, hi, hi. Hi, hi. Welcome. Mm. Um, We've gone a little bit 80. We have. I like it. Just, um, just keep talking like
2: this. Yeah. I've had a pen. Yeah. I've got some uh, leg warms on.
1: Yeah, and I'm wearing a bandana <laughs> and a denim shirt. <laughs> I do we should just
2: go back to our roots. We've been watching some 80s sitcom on Netflix. <laughs>
1: Uh, no no I haven't even been doing that I should have been doing it but I do feel like what one thing our show has always lacked is jingles yes it's true um one for next season one for next season yeah um you all right me yeah I'm good 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 Mm -hmm. good. my love I'm glad um I'm all right my love yeah um
2: yeah today's episode is a great one
1: it is. Let, let me, shall we just share our quite big news first, because oh, this okay. is the second time we've spoken today, isn't it? Yes, it is. Because the first time we spoke, we were talking about going on Chris Evans. Oh my God, it's the Chris Evans breakfast show. Chris Evans breakfast show. Yo! <laughs> yeah, which is one jingle. Um. Yeah we're going on Chris what Evans. We're going on tomorrow morning aka Wednesday the 16th of yes. February we'll be on Chris Evans which is on Virgin Radio yep. in the United Kingdom but mm-hmm. it's also a web radio station so I don't know yeah. if you can get it somewhere else. Um we'll be on between 9:30 and 10am UK time. Yep. So come and listen to us.
2: And for those of you who don't know who Chris Evans is he's like uh it's like the uncle i was gonna say yeah. grandfather but that's not the right not the right phrase no don't say. let him hear the exactly uncle that. of um first breakfast television with the yeah. big breakfast which was a huge uh. cult tv show here in the 90s yeah and, and then, now he's a radio breakfast guru
1: yeah but don't forget about naughty friday night television <sighs> like classic lad times everywhere yeah. you looked yeah He's basically he's a bit of a it's a bit of a legend. Um so we're very excited about yeah, it. We yeah, we are, we are. Um yeah, I think we're just gonna get up early, wear some cool outfits, like Whack on the lipstick. Whack on the lipstick, we're gonna be high energy, we're gonna be zingy.
2: Yeah. We're full of
1: zingers. He's he's like an energizer, an energizer bunny.
2: Yeah. Um yeah, he's like we we need to bring the uh
1: pizzazz basically. Yeah. <laughs> So not like oh actually the interview that we recorded yesterday when I had a massive hangover throughout. Oh, the interview we recorded yesterday was lovely. Yeah, it was great, but I was not high energy. You were not. No, you I were was not. low energy. No, were, no.
2: Um but even with the uh even with the What's the word I'm looking for? Even the handicap of a very bad hangover, which is unlike you, um, you were able to get you know get the job done. You, yeah, I mean, some some done. some questions you couldn't read out, but, uh,
1: <laughs> but those will be edited out, so no one will know. Um, fortunately, I didn't even appear in the interview that we're doing today. No, it was just me. Um, it's just for this you interview today, guys. And I am really jealous because listening to it, firstly she's a peach yeah secondly she was just full of great information mm-hmm. that i did absorb while editing it, the the interview but good. also i would have liked to have just talk to her yeah no but i'm not great. saying that you didn't do a good enough job of talking to her mm. not at all mm. you did well, a great a job thing not yeah a bang up job thanks mate. but um i do think that i was sad that i didn't get to be involved
2: if you're wondering who we're talking about, um, <laughs> this is Elise the embryologist. A- aka Elise Daniels, who is an embryologist at Atlantic Reproductive in North Carolina. Another That's chance. The Atlantic US one. of A, yes. Yeah. And she's basically become a bit of a TikToks like star, hasn't star. she? Star.
1: Star. Uh-huh. She's a star. Yeah. Is she our first TikTok star? I believe so. Yeah, I think yeah. We're, we're much more at home on, on Instagram because we are old. Yeah,
2: because <laughs> we are over thirty-five. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is this TikTok?
1: <laughs> yes, the talker Tockity. <laughs> um but yeah no she's got loads of these and her actually I signed up for a tiktok account literally because of her really um yeah I did um I, I had one from ages ago but I'd forgotten the password so I had to start a new Oh uh, yeah, um, yeah. yeah I'd also forgotten that I signed us up for a tiktok account oh god yeah i'm glad that i've never got off the ground <laughs> there's, no, there's no videos on there um but yeah so she, you can find her at elise the embryologist or one word on tiktok mm. and if you would like to find her on instagram which is also you may well, Oliver, you, may well. Yeah. you may well it's elise a l e a s e underscore the underscore embryologist yeah, and she, um, I just, it was just
2: so interesting. You know what it's mm. like when um, you are going through the process, but you don't know what's going on behind the curtain. No, you don't. You've got
1: no fucking clue. No. And
2: it's just very interesting talking to someone that does it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, she's great. Um, Absolutely fascinating. Absolutely mm. fascinating. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what's um, all other yeah. big news? Well, I'd say it's small news. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, anyway, this is this is the second last episode of this season. Yo. Yeah.
2: It's kind of sad news really, isn't it? It's sad um, news. Yeah. It's a sad news. Um, but we um yeah, we think it's been a great series.
1: Series. And we're gonna I think we're gonna take a like a proper break, which would be our first break in night. Like, two years? First proper one, yeah. Yeah. So we're not gonna send out the newsletter for a bit yeah um just because we need some time off a little little breaky a little
2: breaky but we will come back obviously and so will the newsletter it's just
1: um we're gonna take a break first we're gonna take a break first and then when we get um massive withdrawal symptoms which doesn't take long (laughs) yeah like two to three weeks i reckon um (laughs) but yeah i mean we'll do another series in about six months right yes Yeah. yeah and then between that i'm sure we'll find some time for some newslettering I'm sure we will. Um, And if you would like to sign up to that newsletter, you can do so at our website, which is bigfatnegative.com. There's a little thing at the top that says newsletter.
2: Of course, you can also sign up to... Our
1: Instagram. Instagram.
2: Instagram. (laughs) You don't sign up to an Instagram, do you? No, you Uh, follow it. You can uh, post a letter to Mr. Instagram (laughs) and uh, ask him to add you to the list. Um, Yes, Instagram?
1: Uh, Bigfatnegative. Twitter, uh,
2: big fat negative, or you can always email us uh, big fat negative podcast at gmail dot com. Thank you, and you could also buy some merch.
1: Yes, you can, like a cool just, just relax, relax t shirt,
2: merch, and the link to that is in our Instagram and on yeah. our website. Yeah, and yeah, obviously, obviously, you could buy our book.
1: Yeah I mean just as you
2: well know at this stage <laughs> that is an offer that you can take up if you live in certain districts of the world.
1: Yeah although um, somebody emailed us in, um from New Zealand the other day I'm now going to look it up what she said um she said that she had found our book at her local bookshop. Oh that's so cool. It's really cool. I just wish I could find the message. Oh and do you know what her name was? What was her name? Gabby? No. Was it you? Yeah. <laughs> um, Gabby said that her she found her um, local indie online bookshop stocks your book in Wanaka, New Zealand. Oh, I've been and to Wanaka. To them, Have you really? Yeah, I've, yeah. So it actually is you. <laughs> no, it's not me. I haven't been
2: recently.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and she said they'll send within New Zealand, and it's bookitybookbooks.co.nz. Oh. oh God, that's so cool. That's a great name. It's a great name. Yeah,
2: um, yeah, it seems that wherever you are in the world, you can probably get our book mm-hmm, um, you if try you try hard, hard enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems it's available. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, Emma and I are going to go and badger some of our local bookshops, yes, and, um, and embarrassingly tell them that we we can do signings, <laughs> yeah. to which they'll <laughs> hopefully <laughs> respond. Oh wow, we've been hoping that you would pop in and say that. <laughs> not um can you please leave <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah yeah we'll, um yeah. we'll report back we will report back um in the meantime please enjoy the episode and we'll speak to you in a, like literally two seconds um hi oh hi oh hi it's a
2: good break i made a tea hey. did you eat uh, some really? chocolate yeah no
1: no, no, you just you didn't move from your. I so didn't move. You... I didn't go? move.
2: I did uh, wonder why my light is flashing slightly. Uh, I've got that. You know when the light bulb starts to go a bit and it starts going. Yeah, yeah. Is I've got it? That. Is
1: it a dimmer? It is a dimmer. Dimmers are not good for LED light bulbs.
2: Oh, so what I should I be them. buying?
1: Um, you should continue to buy LED light bulbs, but get rid of the dimmer. Oh. And okay. do you know, I know someone who can do that for you.
2: Your husband?
1: Yeah, he's oh. an electrician. Yes, mate. Yeah. Can you send him round post haste? Yeah, well, except he's got loads of work this week. Oh
2: God, yeah. John! Just yeah. when I have a job for you.
1: I know. Get other paying jobs. You need okay. Um, uh, well, thank you for the thank you for the tip. That's great. Pro tip. Hey, I'm so full of tips at the moment lighting tips lighting tips have, I'm you know. um i'm gonna stop singing what are we I talking about this week do you would you like to talk about this is going to hurt oh yeah i'd love to yes yes so i you know it's a new tv show it's got ben Moisture in it it's based on the book uh like best-selling book by adam k mm-hmm. who is a comedian who once wrote on mrs brown's boys thumbs down From my point of view. But the book is really funny. And I actually read it on my two week wait. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I didn't realize, I thought it was just a funny, gonna be a funny book about like being a doctor. I didn't realize it was a funny book about being an obs and gyny doctor, i.e., as he says on like on the show, brats and twats, i.e., like babies and vaginas. Yes. Or vulvas, if you prefer, and vaginas. Um, so basically most of the show is set in a labor ward, hmm. which I recognize is not the most appropriate thing to be peddling to our listeners. Um, no. but there's a particular part of it that's set in an infertility clinic.
2: Yeah. Cause he did is, a, like secondment to a fertility clinic.
1: Yeah. I think he, he just, he worked all over the hospital, um, so he did a bit in, on labor ward, he did a bit on um, gynecology, and he did a bit in the fertility clinic. And there are, there's just, she sees two patients in mm. it. Mm. And it's, it's interesting because I think the whole series has been, on, in some parts of the world, criticized quite heavily, the world, the cultural world, um, <laughs> because they see it as quite misogynistic, they see it as quite unkind, especially to women. But mm. I think it's just a very realistic depiction <laughs> of having to deal with gynecology wards. And because you and I, Gabs, and most of our listeners will have run the gamut of fertility clinics, gynecology wards, all that yeah. stuff. Legs akimbo, legs akimbo. Flashlight up the gooch. Yeah, exactly. And it it is very brutal.
2: Mm, it is and brutal. I think
1: the way they see it is very brutal like it's, I got some messages from some people who'd worked as doctors and who'd worked as nurses on those wards and they were like that is how it is like it look it God. seems misogynistic because it kind of is misogynistic because patients are essentially pieces of me it's not misogynistic because it's
2: but it would be any patient surely it just so happens mm. that Adam Kay writes about gynae
1: yeah but I do think you know Like, this is something we talk about all the time on this podcast, isn't it? That we could do with a bit of emotional support as well as the kind of physical looking at what's Mm. going on. Yeah. Um, And that is kind of, for most of that, is quite absent. There's parts where it's not, but there's lots of it where it is. Yeah. Um, And I think... Yeah, I just found it really interesting. Um, How did you find the fertility scenes? Because obviously, you
2: famously don't like to watch any content that has fertility stuff in it. Whereas
1: it was thankfully brief. (sighs) But um, so basically, she sees two patients, she sees one couple, um, and she says, essentially, like, your third round hasn't worked, and now your funding runs out. And they obviously look really upset. And she says, and then she goes, well, you know, a lot of patients tend to go private. And then she says, I wouldn't if I were you. You've got a less than 1% chance of conceiving using Gosh. using uh, IVF. And they both look absolutely devastated. And then they say, why has nobody told us that before? And she says, I don't know. I don't know if I'm giving away a lot here. But anyway, it's it's like a very small part of the, it's not like part of the storyline. Um, and And I thought that was really like a really nice, like illustration of what what obviously happens quite a lot but also mm. the fact that she just tells them was quite like a big deal in a way
2: yeah yeah
1: it's hard isn't it it's
2: I mean it's it's such a it's such a horrible moment in lots of people's lives that are in this world yeah. Yeah. and it's it's weird to have it kind of in culture like that But it's also, in a way, I guess, good because it's raising awareness and, Mm -hmm. you know, it might make people understand a little bit about what people are going through when they hear that kind of thing. Yeah. And and the whole
1: thing does feel very political. Like, the whole... Mm. Like, there's bits where characters give speeches and you're like, that wasn't... Like, that did nothing to build the characters. Yeah. Like, or build the character. It was literally because he wanted to make a point about the NHS being underfunded.
2: Yeah. yeah the book is quite political as well, isn't it? And he, yeah, I saw is. him on Twitter. He was saying, oh, you know, it's a good, it, he, he sees the show as, as being about two institutions that are under threat, which is both the NHS and the BBC.
1: Yeah. So he, <laughs>
2: you know, he's, um, he is political about it, which is nice because yeah. those are two things that we both really love.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then yeah sorry i missed out the second patient which is um and again this is a bit of a spoiler so if you guys don't want to hear then just like skip forward 2 minutes but it's a uh, um a couple they have their 7 week scan and there's no heartbeat mm. and she because she's a student doctor she doesn't really get it she's like in her early 20s she goes oh well, it's just a cluster of cells and <laughs> it doesn't go down well um no. And I thought that was, you know, again, like like an illustration, it's it's a brutal thing and we all all agree that saying that kind of thing is just so inappropriate, but it happens.
2: Well, it's a kind of, it's like a gross kind of retelling of something that happens all the time when people have miscarriages and losses like that, isn't it? That's the constant thing you hear is, you know,
1: it was so early, it was so early yeah i mean it's a brutal it's a brutal dis- depiction of what happens mm. and um i was i wasn't actually ready for it to be so brutal because the book wasn't that brutal until mm. the end again a spoiler um yeah the, yeah i've I've to be
2: you know full disclosure i've only watched the first episode which right. um yeah is pretty it's pretty brutal mm. but it, yeah there was no fertility bits in that one it was all yeah
1: yeah, I mean it's a lot of babies. So yeah, you know, so yeah. Don't if you watch, don't watch it to, if you can't. Yeah. <laughs> but if you can bear to watch it, it I found it. I like really couldn't stop thinking about it mm. because I don't know why I couldn't stop thinking about it. I just found it really like impactful. Mm. Um, well, it's
2: yeah. As
1: you say, it's like the some
2: of two of the hardest things to hear in our world mm. on telly, mm. which you just don't see. Yeah, you just yeah. So. No, it's, yeah. it's a good thing. Broadly, it's a good thing, but it might be difficult to watch.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it's funny how it makes Call the Midwife look like kind of propaganda, government propaganda. <laughs> it's really funny. Anyway, that's my thing for this week. That's great. It's a good thing. Thanks.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
4: Please
2: welcome to the podcast. I'm
0: super excited!
1: Yay!
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> we uh, we start all of our podcasts by asking people to tell us about their journey, but um, but you are an embryologist and you help other people with their journeys.
4: That is correct. So I don't personally have a journey, but I walk a lot of people through their own journeys.
2: Amazing! Can you just tell us what do you do? What does your job involve?
4: Yeah. So like you said, I'm an embryologist. So I do all of the lab work. I'm behind the scenes, um, actually doing the inseminations, working with eggs, working with embryos. Um, So we are are the ones who are doing the actual lab work.
2: Amazing. So that's sperm as well. You do sperm analysis too, right?
4: I do. I do. Um, Since I've kind of uh, trained my way up, I don't do as much uh semen analyses and processing and things like that but i still still see sperm from time to time and i always enjoy it
2: oh thank god thank goodness we love of <laughs> sperm um so what what made you get into embryology
4: so it's actually not a field that i really knew about until my last year of college um, and i knew i liked reproductive health mm-hmm. i liked lab work but i knew i didn't want to do research Um, and my background is in genetics. So I really wanted something that was related. And I just did some Google searching and found embryology and thought this may be a good fit for me. You know, let me send out some emails. And I've been here ever since. So it worked out.
2: (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank God. And um, well, like, there's so many of us go through treatment and we have absolutely no clue what's going on behind the scenes. So what prompted you to start like sharing? I mean, you've got an amazing TikTok account. What prompted you to start kind of almost like lifting the curtain and like letting people into the lab almost? Why did you start doing that?
4: Yeah, well, I could really see in our patient population that they didn't really understand what we were doing. um, And I really feel like that education has, lets them have a better understanding of the whole process in general. Like the more understanding you have, the better your treatment goes. You feel more, uh, you feel more in control of your Mm. treatment. Mm -hmm. And I really saw that lack of knowledge from our specific uh, patient base at our clinic. And, you know, I had gone to some management and said, you know, I really, want to put something together that can educate our patients. And it just didn't quite work out with the structure of our clinic. And so I said, you know what? I'm gonna start something on my own. Um yeah. it may not be educating our patients, but it'll educate someone who's a patient. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I just decided and I always I always had a love for teaching. So I did some teaching yeah. in my undergrad and really wanted to get that feeling of educating back. And that's what started yeah. the whole social media.
2: Oh, my God. I mean, you talked about control there. And I think you're right. It's kind of like, when you're going through infertility and treatment, control is something you just don't really have a lot of, and you're just desperate to have some. I think you're right, kind of having an idea of what's going on when, you know, when the eggs have been taken and what, you know, what, what are they doing? Where where are my precious eggs? I think it is a really nice idea to give people back a bit of control that way.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that knowledge is definitely gives a sense of control, which, you know, helps patients feel good. gives, gives them some peace of mind.
2: Yeah. I guess if they can kind of imagine where their embryos are or what they're looking like or what they're doing, that's quite nice for them.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And so what, what are your, um, what are your most popular posts?
4: Oh, that's a good question. Mm. So my most popular post is actually one I posted very recently, within the last two weeks. It is a video of me performing ICSI, um, oh. and that's where we are injecting the the egg with sperm. And I show that under the microscope, and it people on TikTok loved it. It's my most watched video by far, by at least three million views. It's it's crazy oh I was expecting God. it to be so popular
2: yeah, yeah yeah what I mean what do you think is why is it because people can see like a little squiggly sperm are they kind of excited by
4: that yeah well first of all any video I post with sperm people love they do they <laughs> I love, love, sperm. love
2: sperm everyone loves sperm
4: <laughs> <laughs> they do they love seeing it under the microscope so that's always fun for me if I'm ever unsure yeah. what to post I always just post sperm uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's like that is the moment that we are creating a potential future child and so I yeah. think a lot of people just were in awe of seeing it and a mm. lot of people have gone through it and so they're like I knew what it was but never knew what it looked like or what went into it so I think a lot of people could relate to it and a lot yeah. of people just found it really fascinating
2: yeah absolutely how I mean how how do you do it like how what is the process talk us through it because obviously you can't um unfortunately because we're a podcast you can't show us, but. <laughs> but talk us through how it works
4: yeah so after we do an egg retrieval you know the patient had a nice little nap they're not even you know they're recovering over on the other side so we take those eggs and we have to strip them and that means that we are taking the cumulus that is naturally on the eggs we're getting rid of that cumulus because we need to see if the egg is mature Right. We can only inject mature eggs. Those are the only ones that will fertilize. And we can't tell if they're mature, if they have cumulus on them. What's cumulus? Now if, yeah. So cumulus are the cells um, that are surrounding the egg that are used during conventional insemination or natural conception. So those cumulus cells actually aid the sperm in uh-huh. getting into the egg. But since okay. we are injecting the sperm ourselves, we don't need them. And it just causes a lot of issues. So we have to get rid of them.
1: Get them
2: out of the way.
4: Yeah, we got to get them out of the way. So we use um, a series of stripper tips, which are uh, what we use to manipulate the eggs with. We pick them Mm -hmm. up with stripper tips. We move them to drops, that sort of thing. And we use what's called hyaluronidase, which is actually the same enzyme that sperm naturally produce Mm -hmm. in natural conception or um, conventional insemination. But since we don't have any sperm there, we have to, you know, use the synthetic hyaluronidase. So we Uh use some of that enzyme that helps break down those cells. And then we use a series of smaller and smaller stripper tips to kind of um, physically knock some of those cells off. And I have a video of that on my TikTok Um, which is also it's one of my favorite procedures to do yeah it's really fun it's very satisfying to get them clean if you will
2: yeah I mean I just love that they're called stripper tips that you're using (laughs) oh I know every time
4: I post about them I um I always do the hashtag strip talk because (laughs) those are actual strippers but (laughs) mine aren't quite actual strippers (laughs) (laughs) um so
2: you you strip off the um I can't even remember how to say the word Cumulus. The cumulus. And then, and then. so what happens next?
4: Yeah, so then they're actually resting in culture dishes for a couple hours. We give them a okay. little time to rest. So now- uh, yeah, they just need a little break. You know, they've gone through a lot. They've gone yeah, through the body, enough. through a tube, to all those other things. Um, and then we inject them usually around noon.
3: Mm-hmm. So
4: we are putting the sperm in what we call PVP. Um, and that is a matrix that slows down the sperm swimming because sperm swim very fast. And if we did not have the PVP, we would not be able to catch them.
2: (laughs) Okay, gosh.
4: Yeah, so we put them in that PVP um, and then we are using um, a needle to strike the sperm's tail. So when sperm, you know, reach an egg, they actually become immobilized and that allows Uh allows them to penetrate and um release the dna that is in the head of the spur
3: okay um
4: and again there's no egg there so we have to do it ourselves so we strike their tails to get them to stop moving they're not dead they're just not moving um and then we suck them up in this little needle and then we have a needle on the other side that's holding the egg and then we inject it right into the egg there
2: oh my god i mean I'm getting nervous just hearing you talk about it. Like, do you get nervous when you do these procedures? Because it's all so small and it just means so much to people. How do you, like, control the nerves?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely some pressure here and there, especially when I know a lot about a patient's case. So sometimes mm. it's actually beneficial to not know too much because you get a little nervous when you know, like, Oh, this patient has cancer. This is their one shot. Mm, They've got two God. eggs. And yeah. you know, that's just a lot of pressure. Um, yeah. so sometimes it's a little better not to know all of the nitty gritty details, but, um, we have done so much training before we get to an actual patient case that by the time I do, I, I felt very confident going into my first patient case. Um, those nerves weren't really there for me, but I, I can't speak to other embryologists. Some may, yeah, some may be a little bit more nervous. <laughs> how would you
2: fi- How would you find out about someone's story? Is that just from reading their notes, or do yeah, you ever meet people?
4: Their, yeah, reading their chart notes mostly. Some we have a weekly meeting where we talk about the patients that are coming up. And right. some of those like bigger details will often come up like this is a cancer patient or this patient has a genetic disorder that they're doing this for or they lost their previous child or something like that. Mm. Um, and some of that comes from reading the chart notes. And I do occasionally meet patients um, more so now that I have the TikTok. Some of, some of our patients have found me on the <laughs> Internet.
2: <laughs> That's amazing. Do they want to be uh, to be treated by you? Is that what they're kind of seeking out?
4: Yeah, which is very funny to me. So I have gone into a transfer once, um, an FET, and the nurse was like, "Yeah, you know, the patient wanted to make sure that, you know, she asked if the TikTok embryologist was going to be there." And I was like, "Yeah, that's me." <laughs> um, and so it's always it's always weird to me because I don't consider myself like famous by any yeah. means, but yeah. um, to them. I guess I am yeah, famous man. so I are, yeah. yeah so they're always like oh my gosh I watch you on TikTok you know I'm so excited <laughs> that you're doing my procedure but that just adds more pressure you know I'm like oh god I gotta do well cause oh,
2: don't fuck this one up
4: yeah they're expecting a lot from me
2: oh wow and so um, so I suppose that the time when you're in the room with people is the transfer right
4: yeah so um I am in there when we're doing the transfer I'm also in there when we do retrievals but for a very short period of time because they're asleep um, yeah so I'm just doing like the timeout confirming everything and then they're you know they're asleep
2: yeah yeah I was gonna say I don't remember my um yeah retrieval. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was in Happyland um yeah taking a nice <sighs> little nap. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We call it the the nicest sleep in the world. Um, And so, yeah, can you, I mean, talk us through the the transfer as well. I'm so interested because you've got a TikTok where you show um, the specific tools that you use to like grab the eggs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, what? Talk me through that a little bit.
4: Yeah. So we use all of a whole sort of different needles and setups and dishes. And that's kind of a big reason why IVF is so expensive, which I've talked about as well. Um, The equipment is just very expensive. But for an FET, it's actually pretty minimal um, in terms of like needles. We don't have to use any fancy needles or anything like Mm -hmm. that. We are using media to thaw them. So -hmm. we're taking them on these tiny little straws and we are putting them straight from liquid nitrogen into a media. And then we're using a stripper tip to kind of make sure that it's off the straw and in the media. And then we're essentially moving them from different types of media for a thaw. Um, so the thaw is really pretty minimal in terms of equipment and mm. skill. That's one of the first things you learn as an embryologist is to thaw and freeze embryos because it's um, minimal skills, if you will.
2: Yeah. Wow. Um, when they're thawing, do you just watch them under a microscope? Are you kind of like keeping an eye out to see what how they're doing?
4: Yes, I do. Um, some of them are in like a media for a little bit longer of a time and some of them are in a media for a little bit of time but they change depending on what media they're in because right. each media is doing something different so I look to make sure that in this specific media the embryo is doing what it's supposed to do mm. um and kind of watch it through the process and then I always get concerned because they're so tiny I'm always worried I'm like I gotta make sure I see it that it didn't yep. move <laughs> that it's still mm. there <laughs> so um, I do check it throughout the process and the whole thawing process takes less than 10 minutes to actually... Wow. It's very short. God, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they
2: could have been frozen for years.
4: Years. Decades, even.
2: Oh, my God. That's mental. I know. And so what do you... Like, what do you see when they're kind of coming to life? Is it they kind of... They almost start, like, bubbling, don't they?
4: Hmm. I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this. So when we first... We, when we put them in the first media, most of the time the embryos are collapsed, meaning that they are kind of um, shriveled up into a little ball. Okay. Yeah. With the zona, which is um, the shell of the embryo, outside of it. So when mm-hmm. we first saw them, they can actually be a little bit hard to see because they are so you know tight in on each other, balled up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as we move to the next media is this is the worst media to look at them in because they look very dark, which for an embryologist is a bad sign. You don't want an embryo to look dark because that indicates cell death and that sort of thing. But it's very normal in that sort of media. Um, And then when we get to the wash medias, which are at the end, they perk up a lot. Um, They start Uh to look, Uh, more alive. The cells aren't as dark, um, but really they look almost the same in all of the steps. The biggest difference you see is from post thaw to right before the transfer. Um, They should start to expand. We want to see them looking like they're perking up, uh, maybe hatching out uh, depending on the embryo. So um, during the actual thawing process, they don't look too different. It takes, it took me a long time anyway, to tell the difference between the different types of media.
2: Oh, wow. So what does a good embryo look like before transfer? Can you tell when you're looking at them Are you like I reckon this is a good one?
4: Like, yeah, is that, we can that tell. one's going to take? <laughs> yeah, we can tell. We can tell when they're starting to die, we can tell when they're looking good. So mm. after a thaw, we want to see little cell damage, a very minimal cell damage. Yeah. You can tell when an embryo was maybe Frozen incorrectly or thawed incorrectly, okay. the cells on the outside of the embryo will start to almost swell like they're going to burst. And they will burst. They look almost like wisps of hair on the outside of the embryo. Wow. Um, and that is telling us that the embryo has definitely suffered a little bit of damage. Okay. Um, that's not a good sign. Um, so, an embryo like that, we would likely want to check, you know. In twenty to thirty minutes, give it a little time. A lot Mm -hmm. of times they will recover and they'll be fine. I was gonna Um, say, yeah, do
2: they like rally? Are you kind of like are you going on like a roller coaster journey with these (laughs) embryos? (laughs) Like
4: Sometimes we sometimes they look borderline and they'll perk up after they've rested for a little bit. Sometimes we can tell very straight away that they're dead. Um and that's very unfortunate. They look very dark. So when embryos start to die, the cells get really dark and grainy almost um and that's a bad sign that's typically when i'm calling my lab director like this Mm. isn't looking good we need to thought of the embryo i'm talking to the doctor telling them that they need to you know reach out to the patient and let them know yeah Um, it's very uncommon for them to die but it does happen every now and then and it's always really sad oh and
2: um and so What happens when someone is going in for an embryo transfer? And it might be different in the States than it is in the UK, because I think there are some differences. But when someone's coming in for one, do you kind of, and they've got, say, okay, so I have three embryos in the freezer, right? So if I was going in to have one of those transferred, would you be freeze, would you be thawing all of those to see which one was best? Or do you do it like one at a time?
4: Yeah, no, we thaw. So when we freeze them, we grade them based on how they look so there's like good quality fair quality and poor quality when we thaw for transfer we are thawing the best embryo so we're thawing one embryo typically the best graded embryo unless you've done pgta testing which Uh there's a little wrench in there we're picking based on a normal embryo but um, we are thawing one at a time
2: okay because you can't refreeze i'm I'm assuming
4: you can it's not great for the embryo so they're back in the day you know, 20 years ago, they would freeze embryos on day three, which they still may do in the UK. I know I've heard, I've had people tell me that they still do that some places. Yes, Um, And at that point you may have to thaw more than one because they're frozen more than one together. So they may have frozen three embryos on a straw. And so then you have to thaw all three and sometimes they'll culture them out a couple days and then freeze You know, they'll transfer the best looking one and freeze the other two or three, however many were thawed. Uh, That's not as common as it used to be. Now we freeze one embryo per straw. So that way when we thaw them, we're only thawing one. Uh, But there have been times where they were frozen two to a straw. We thaw both of them. We transfer Mm -hmm. one and then refreeze the other one, which isn't great for the embryo. But, you know, we can't help it if it was frozen. It can work and we can't help it if it was frozen a long time ago.
2: Yeah, yeah, fair enough. You've gotta just work with what you've got, right? Yeah. What's the oldest embryo you've thawed?
4: Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. I personally haven't thawed one that's too old, but our clinic has thawed one from like the early two thousands, like two thousand three, okay. two thousand four. Yeah. Which yeah. is crazy because my brother was born in two thousand two. Oh so <laughs>
2: It is mad. He's
4: like as old as some. It's just just so crazy. Uh,
2: yeah, it blows my mind. I think were, oh, I can't remember when it was, but there was a um, an embryo was transferred that was that was frozen like twenty years ago or something. Yeah. just like that is just
4: mad. It's mind blowing. I, we're anyway. gonna get to the point where people can thaw embryos older than themselves. Yeah, which is crazy. You like liking? if you have a donated embryo, like if you got an embryo donated you know, you're using a donor embryo, it could have been, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, they could be end up being older than you.
2: Oh my God, it's insane. And what do you, um, I mean, what do you make of like the amount of frozen embryos there are in the world now? And what do you think will happen in the future? I mean, that's a big question. I just yeah. thought I'd throw it at you because it's just, <laughs> I find it, I find it so interesting because like, there's so many people who have extra embryos that they don't use And they just keep paying for storage because like you don't know what to do with them.
4: They don't know what to do with them. Exactly. And that is a problem really anywhere, everywhere. Yeah, If you will, is that there are hundreds of embryos that get abandoned or patients don't know what to do with them. And I, that's a hard question because I don't know. I think a lot of people are more conscious of that now. Mm. And so they are taking steps beforehand to make sure they don't end up with as many. So it's two ends. You know, we have some patients who are lucky to get one. And then we have yeah, some patients who have like 15 and we're like, you're, there's no way you're going to go through all of these. No. Um, and so we we try to counsel patients on that beforehand. Like mm-hmm. if we get a patient who retrieves 50 eggs, which it has happened, um oh, gosh. we'll counsel them and say, you know, it may be a good idea to freeze some of these eggs and not inseminate all of them because you don't need 30 embryos. <laughs> You're not gonna yeah. use 30. But freezing your eggs, you may be more willing to donate those in the future. We also feel less we have less of an ethical issue with discarding eggs than we do with embryos because eggs right. are a gamete and won't produce. A baby unless they've been fertilized whereas yeah. an embryo is much more significant
2: yeah it feels like it's a step closer right so yeah oh wow it throws up all these quandaries it's so interesting what do you, so do you end up kind of talking to people about what to do with their embryos like do is it common for people to donate their embryos or is that something that you see less
4: often it's because i've actually been seeing more patients donate their embryos i think because There's so much more awareness about them being abandoned. And there's lots of um, Facebook groups and other social Mm. media outlets that are talking about it. So I think people are more aware of it. And we actually have a lot more patients who are considering donating, whether that be anonymously, whether that be, you know, a friend or a family member, or through like an agency that matches up couples with embryos similar to, you know, Mm. child adoption.
2: Yeah. God, that's mad, isn't it?
4: I know,
2: you... it's so crazy. <laughs> and um, I'm going to ask you about sperm analysis a little bit here. This is of particular interest to me because we had male factor infertility. Okay. Um, so my husband's had lots of sperm samples. <laughs> um, so how how does it work? How do you do all of the various um, perimeters? Because I've, I've heard that when it, when you come to get morphology, you're literally just looking at them with your eyes to kind of – perceive whether they're the right shape or not can you
4: give give
2: me walk me through it
4: yeah so that's absolutely correct there are some clinics that have like an automated counter that um you put it through a machine and it will count the sperm for you but i would say majority of clinics are counting by hand and doing morphology by hand so when we're counting the microscope actually has an eyepiece that has a grid on it. So we're not counting every single sperm in the sample. There's no way we could do that. Yeah, millions I was going to say millions it's millions, right? Yeah, millions and millions. But we, we take a subset of the sample and we are counting it based on the grid and then using some calculations to get a general idea of the whole sample. So it's not 100% accurate, but it is an estimate of what we believe is in the whole sample.
2: Right. Okay. Yeah. And
4: then for morphology, we are literally looking at it under a microscope. Um, that's another one you kind of have to take with a grain of salt because you're only yeah. counting like 100 or 200 sperm out of millions. Mm. Um, so some, some of that is definitely worth, you know, taking with a grain of salt sort of thing. I always tell people that. I'm like, it's not, we couldn't count every single sperm. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I we um, we speak to a, a urologist over here in the UK, um, uh, and he he always says because morphology was one of our quote unquote problems, and he always says, yeah, you kind of can't put too much on that because mm-hmm. it is literally just a small sample, and you know you've got millions of sperm there, so absolutely, it's a funny one. Well, Elise, this has been very interesting so far. Um, mm-hmm. What um, I know that you. So with your, t- um, with your Instagram, I know that you ask, you do lots of Q&As with people. What are people asking you the most, do you think?
4: I get a lot of very personal questions, I guess, about mm. their specific yeah. diagnosis or their case, which are so hard for me to answer because I am not a doctor. I mm. make that very clear and legally I cannot give any medical advice. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately I, I often have to generalize those. Uh-huh. And I like to tell patients or followers, I guess, because they're not my patients, is look, you know, trust your doctors. I understand you wanting to get kind of an outside perspective, but I don't know your case. I don't know yeah, yeah. your blood work. I don't know anything about your prior medical history. Um, so I try to make sure followers keep that in mind when I'm giving general knowledge is that I don't know your specific case. So I get a lot of questions like that. Um, And then the most common question I get is about embryo grading. I get a lot of questions about like, is this a good embryo? What does this mean? When I got, you know, someone told me that my embryo is 3BB. Does that mean it's Mm -hmm. good? Like Mm -hmm. I get that question a lot. Yes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's a very, very common one.
2: And so what, I mean, what's your take on embryo grading? Because I know that some people are kind of like, you know, you can transfer a lower grade embryo and have a perfectly healthy baby and the opposite with a high grade embryo and, yeah. and have, um, have it fail. So what's your take on it?
4: So really it, it's more of a system for us to make sure that we are transferring what we believe is the best quality embryo. Mm. So it's very subjective between clinics our goal as a clinic is to make sure that all of our embryologists are grading similarly in terms of strictness. So we want all of our, either all of our embryologists to be very strict or all of our embryologists to be somewhere in the middle. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily translate between clinics. So, you know, we, we typically don't freeze or biopsy anything that has a C grade. We just don't. Um, but we're a little bit more strict. Okay. So there could be clinics, other clinics that are a little looser on their grading. And so for them, you know, they're fine with with biopsying a C grade embryo. And it's not that these poor, quote unquote, poor quality blasts don't make babies. Because, like you said, they do. They make healthy babies. There's plenty of great quality embryos that don't make babies. Mm. Um, So it's really more for us to make sure we're giving our patients the best chance of getting pregnant by freezing the higher quality blasts. The other thing is, they have to survive a lot. So a poor quality blast is less likely to survive freezing, to survive biopsy, to survive thawing. So we want to make sure that an, the embryo can survive all we're putting it under, all the stress we're putting it under. So yeah. that's another reason why we grade embryos the way that we do is to make sure that they can survive all the processes and procedures that we're putting them under.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I guess, well, so what's the message to... Patience. if you're you know is it like grading is kind of important but not that important so don't worry about it too much or try not to it's hard isn't it when people are just <laughs> it desperate is hard. For like a clue of what's going to happen
4: it is hard I mean I would consider it if you have um, multiple embryos and maybe something to talk to your doctor about the biggest thing I try to have followers take away is if you're unsure ask, ask your embryologist, have a consult with your doctor to talk about it. Um, Because they, like I said, everyone is so different on how important greeting is to them or to their clinic or to their lab. So the only way you can get that information is by asking. And most of them should be willing to talk to you about it. And if they're not, you may want to reconsider where you're at mm-hmm.
2: yeah that yeah. sounds fair enough mm-hmm. um okay elise this has been an amazing chat so thank you so much i'm gonna ask you a final question and it may yeah. be a bit of a trick question so don't worry <laughs> if you can't have an answer but i just have you got any like embryology facts that you love to impress people with like what's your favorite fact about embryology
4: oh that's a good one So I have a lot of them that are about sperm because people love sperm. And there's a lot of misinformation about sperm.
2: And so do we, Elise. So feel free to let this one be sperm.
4: So the biggest thing is volume of ejaculate does not equal quality of a sample. So you can have a lot of volume, Uh but have a very poor sample. And you can have a very little amount of volume and have a fantastic sample so the volume does not equate quality so that's okay. always one that I tell people
2: and I bet guys um, always think in their heads if there's loads coming oh absolutely up, like, oh, it must be good stuff
4: absolutely they're like oh well I'm fine like there's plenty coming out I'm like, no <laughs> that doesn't mean anything <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay
4: oh my gosh and the other I have a couple other ones so
2: go on hit me
4: you want to keep samples warm patients always think that they need to be kept cold No, we want them close to your body. They came out of your body. We want them close to your body. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they can live a long time. They can live in our lab at least 24 hours. And then in the body, they're living, you know, when you're having intercourse, They're living in the reproductive tract for days and days. So, you know, if you're not on birth control and not trying to conceive, keep that in mind. Uh
2: Yeah. If
4: you're having unprotected sex, you know, a couple days before ovulation, there's still a chance you can get pregnant because that sperm is around for a long time.
2: Those dudes, a long life. Um I find that interesting because we have something that we uh, christened the Whack off races, which is when guys have to do their sperm sample at home and then get it to the lab, yeah, uh but keeping it warm, not too hot, not too cold, We're keeping That's all the guys so alive funny. just inside <laughs> the top kind of a race.
4: Yeah, it is kind of a race, and I've had patients give me samples from all sort of funny places, like in pockets, and like scarves, and I've had patients bring lunch boxes and like all this crazy stuff, which is always so funny to me.
2: And they like produce it. This is my special
4: sauce. Yeah, or they just don't want to talk about it. They like, uh,
2: yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they do okay. it like
4: super like awkwardly. They're like, here, take it. Like I don't. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to look at you in the eye. I don't want to talk to you. Like he did my deed. That's it. I'm going home.
2: (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Oh, well, (laughs) on that note, um, Elise, thank you so much for chatting to me. It's been really interesting. And um, how can people find you on the socials if they're looking for you?
4: Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Elise the Embryologist. It has been so fun chatting with you. I cannot wait to talk to you more and see everything you post I'm so looking forward to it
0: oh
2: Elise well thank you um yeah and I'm sure everyone will follow you because it's just just so fascinating
4: lots of fun stuff I think that's been the most fun for me is just letting people see what I see every day
2: yeah man I bet I bet
1: we have come to the end of the so it's the end of the show where will you go now <laughs> tell you where we're going we're going to see sophie um, oh yes, yes. next, next week, week guys it's what next you've week. all been waiting for we promised you an update you're gonna get your update
2: yeah. yeah it's coming it's coming
1: when we'll that's gonna be our last episode we're going out with the back. It is.
2: it is we're going out with sophie um and we um yeah. Of course the whole time we're on the break, uh, we'll you know, we'll be there on Instagram.
1: We'll be around. Yeah. Um, so so don't don't be sad. <laughs> Alright, pals, see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Oh don't forget to watch us on Chris Evans' show
2: or listen to us on the Chris Evans Show. <clears throat> we're putting lipstick on though, even though it's radio. Yeah, and we've bought outfits even though it's radio. Cool. So So please do tune in and hear our brilliant outfits. Yeah,
1: absolutely. They'll probably be quite rustly. (laughs) Okay, guys. Bye. Bye.